Joshua chapter 5. Like I said, we're going to be continuing in our series uh, that is titled Next is Now. In week one, I talked about courage to conquer. And I, I look, we looked at the scripture how several times in Joshua chapter one, he, the Lord told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Then he said, be strong and very courageous. And so I talked about the courage we need to conquer the purpose and plans God has for us. Then week two, uh, it was entitled moving forward in faith. And we looked at the faith of, of, of a, a lady named Rahab. And even as a pagan prostitute, she had, ex- she exhibited faith not only with her words but she helped the spies and the three kind of faith uh the types of faith she had courageous faith confident faith and covenant faith um and then last week we talked about the essentials needed to propel your purpose and we saw the three things that the people did now they went from the the faith of one lady to the faith of the whole nation we see the priest stepped into the jordan river it was a miracle it parted and what they did to propel themselves into their purpose. So today we get to Joshua chapter 5. And again, if you've missed any of these online, I just encourage you, you can go to our app, our website, podcast, YouTube, on all of those platforms. You can catch up on this series. So we get to chapter 5. The nation of Israel arrives safely on the other side of the Jordan. As we saw last week, their crossing again was a great miracle. But this sent a powerful message to the people in the land. You would have expected Joshua to mobilize all of his army now and just attack Jericho. You remember, we're getting to Jericho now. This, they're over the river. Jericho's the first city in the promised land in Canaan that, that the Lord said he was going to give them. After, I mean, all the people are united in following the Lord. The people of the land are paralyzed with fear. From a human point of view, it would have been a perfect time for Joshua to act and take the city. But you see, Joshua wasn't get, was, he was getting his orders from the Lord, not from military experts. And we know, according to Isaiah 55, that God's thoughts and ways are much higher than our thoughts and ways. Amen? And that's why in, in this time or any time of life, when we try to figure out what's next, we always get in trouble with that. Because you know what? We're trying to figure out what's going to happen, and God's already in tomorrow. He's already in next week, and his ways and his thoughts and his, the way he does things is way higher, again, in, in, than our thoughts or ways, according to Isaiah 55. The events we're about to read in Joshua chapter 5 took at least 10 days. Then the people marched around Jericho for six more days, which Pastor Todd will be preaching next week, and he, he'll be talking, we'll, we'll be getting into Jericho in the, next week. So, so with all of this said, God waited two weeks before giving his people their first victory, in the land. Why did he do that? Why after crossing the Jordan, you would think it's a perfect time, man, let's take him, let's attack. But he, he took two weeks. We're going to look at the 10 days today. And then a lot of y'all know the story and, and Pastor Todd will break it down next week. Why did he wait two weeks? Because God's people must be prepared before the victory. There was some preparation that needed to take place before the victory. See, the conquest of the land was to be the victory of God, not the victory of Israel, Israel or Joshua, it was, it wasn't, wasn't going to come from the expertise of the Jewish army or the fearful emotions of the enemy, but the presence and provision of the Lord. There were three steps of preparation necessary before God would give his people victory over the nations in the land of Canaan. We need to prepare ourselves as well with these same three things we're going to look at today if we want to gain victory in our life, especially since, again, we don't know what's going to happen next, right? We don't know what's going to happen next. 
And I even shared something online yesterday that, you know what, I, I want to encourage you. I just felt yesterday that, you know, if, if, if we continue to focus on what's going to be the next, what's the next phase, how's this next school year going to look, you know, this, that, and the other, we miss what the Lord's doing right here. Amen? So, and part of that is, is that our preparation, as we prepare ourselves and focus on the Lord, ultimately, that focus on the Lord prepares us for the next season and what's coming next, even when we don't know what it is. Amen? See, the Lord has a way of downloading things and preparing us, and we don't even know it, right? So let's jump into the text now. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel. Joshua had to circumcise them because all of the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt and all those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born from the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed that he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we've been spending through the book of Joshua together. Lord, I pray that you would help us and prepare us, Lord God, for what's next. Prepare us for the victory. Lord, there's personal victories people are trying to gain, and I know there's victories as a church and as a people that, Lord God, that, that you have for us to win, Lord God. There's, there's, there's inheritances and promises, Lord God, and, and new land to take, spiritually speaking, Lord God. As we move into an age, I believe, of revival, prepare us, Lord God, for the harvest, Lord God, and for your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about how to prepare for victory. How did the Israelites prepare themselves before they got to Jericho, and how should we do it? Number one, we need to reestablish biblical standards. We need to reestablish biblical standards. You see, before the Israelites turned their attention to Jericho, God directed Joshua to perform the ceremony of circumcision. Now, you got to understand, this was a ceremony of renewing their covenant with God. You remember Rahab had covenant faith, and we talked a little bit about a covenant. I'm actually doing a wedding this evening at 6 o'clock, and I always tell every couple that I, that I officiate their wedding, I stress that this is a covenant you're making. You're making a covenant between yourself and between you and God. So this was a cov covenant ceremony. They were renewing their covenant with the Lord through circumcision because the land was part of the covenant covenant promise, Israel's men needed to demonstrate their personal participation in the covenant through circumcision in order to enter the land. That was part of the preparation. Like, we got to make sure we are in covenant faith with the Lord before we even take the first level of the land, our first battle we go into. See, but you got to understand something like we've been talking about, and I've mentioned it last week. This physical operation on the body was meant to be a symbol of spiritual operation on the heart. 
How do we know that? Because Deuteronomy, even a book right before Joshua, tells us, Deuteronomy 10, 16, so circumcise, that is, remove sin from your heart and be stiff-necked, stubborn and obstinate no longer. You see that? See, the Jews are familiar with the physical circumcision, but you know what? The Lord was telling them, listen, I want you to do a circumcision of your heart. So even for them and now for us today, we see that this is symbolic of us cutting away things from our lives that the Bible calls sin. See, look, flint is found in a natural state. So flint knives were mandated for circumcision as a symbol of purity and holiness. That's why they had to use flint knives. So some of us need to reestablish biblical standards of holiness and purity. You know, we're living in a day and age where anything goes. And where biblical standards have been lowered almost to nothing, even in the church. So we need to reestablish, like we need to renew our covenant. For them, it was a renewing of a covenant to the Lord. We need to renew our covenant by reestablishing biblical standards. We need to cut off some things in our lives that are sin and that the Lord considers impure. How do I know that? Because 1 Timothy 5.22 in the New Testament says, Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So at one time, a lot of us have come to the Lord. We repented of our sin. I did it right here at this spot. I I, I tell you all that often. But you know what? As you go through life, even as a born-again believer, you can have the tendency to allow things back into your life, to allow sin and impurity and, and, and things that are, that are unholy or unpure in our lives. Because, you know, again, the enemy or people will lie to you and tell you, hey, this is just old-fashioned. Man, you know what? We're more progressive now. No, what the Bible says is sin is still sin. Amen? The, amen? Yes, amen. We're actually going to get into that more in two weeks when I get back. If you read Joshua, they had a defeat, and it's because there was sin in the camp. So we're going to unpack this even a little bit more in two weeks. Why do we need to keep ourselves pure? Purity, number one, honors the Lord. Look at Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. You know, when we worship the Lord, as we sing, that's the way that we honor God, right? I hope that every Sunday I get up and preach that my words are honoring to the Lord. But there's things we can do more than we can say or sing that honor the Lord and that's staying pure. In our minds, in our hearts, in our actions, and in our mouth. Amen? Purity also proves that we're truly living for him. Look at 2 Corinthians 6.6. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. You know, Jesus said, prove by the way that you live that you've turned to God. You know, we're not, we, we, it, it's not works that saves us. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. It's not works that saves us. But when we do get saved, when we do get born again, there must be things in our life that have proved that we've been saved. There must be things in our life that we prove that we've been born again. If we look exactly the same and live a life that's exactly the same that before we made a profession of Christ, I doubt your salvation. I doubt you've truly been born again. Because the Bible says we prove it. And one of the ways is, by staying pure. Look, and when I say stay pure, I'm not saying be perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. But I just have a, I just have a strong sense, and I see it, not just a sense. Sadly, even in the church, it's blatant all over social media now. And, and just the way people act and talk, that they've allowed impurity in their lives, 
And, and some of us are not walking in holiness. Another reason we need to stay pure is so God can use us. We've been praying about revival and being an example. Listen, I love 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, now it's a big if. This is a condition here. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. You know the old saying, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready? Well, one of the ways to stay ready for the Lord to use you is to stay pure. It's to walk in holiness. It's, it's to, to, to make it a point to turn away from sin. And when we do fall and we sin, of course, we know we can come to the Lord, confess our sin, and turn away. Again, nobody's going to be perfect. And then the, 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 the last thing is so we can be an example or a witness like I talked about last week. It goes along with being used by the Lord. 1 Timothy 4.12, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Amen? There's something to be said about living a pure and holy life. It honors the Lord. We can be used by the Lord. We can be an example to others. It shows others that we've, we belong to Christ. You know, part of purification is also being healed from the effects of sin. Look at Joshua 5.8. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Now, again, this is, I know this was a physical healing, but again, it's a good picture that even though they needed physical healing from their purification right, from their cutting away, uh, you may need emotional or relational healing from the effects of sin. If you've allowed sin back in your life, or in your relationships, you may need some emotional and some, some, some relational healing. Cause listen, you, you can't get away from the effects of sin. And it will have effects. Whether now or later. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And then sometimes you find out how much the sin has affected you when all, all the wheels begin to fall off. And, you know, nobody might know it. That's why I'm talking about even getting healed by the Lord. Because, you know what, the effects of sin may just be into, eat, internal right now. It, maybe the whole world hasn't seen it yet. And I, I encourage you to get right with the Lord and get these things out of your life before it gets known. Amen. It's one thing, as, as David said, I'd rather fall into the hands of the Lord than my enemies. And in this day and age... And how people are using social media, I tell you what, it must be better that you come clean with the Lord. Let him begin to heal you and deliver you until somebody else finds out you're sinning blasted all over social media. Amen. You know, one more thing. When you turn away from sin, not only does the Lord heal you from the effects of sin, I love this. He takes away the shame of sin. Look at Joshua 5, 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal sounds like the Hebrew word that means to roll, indicating that this place was where God rolled away the shame of Egypt from Israel. I love this. If you take a, if you turn away from your sin, that's why we talk about repentance. Repentance means to turn away. If you turn away from sin and turn to God, he will take away the shame you've been carrying. See, that's another thing. The effects of sin, one of the major effects of sin is that you're weighed down with shame. Especially as a believer, when we allow impurities and unholiness in our lives, we know that these things are not pleasing to the Lord. We know these things are not white and we begin to walk around with shame and the enemy just beats you over the head with it day in and day out. But if we turn away from those things, if we reestablish biblical standards in our lives, in our homes, with our children, come on, the Lord will begin to roll away or take away that shame. Amen. 
I know for many years I was ashamed of the way that I was living, of the things I was doing. And, and if, if I'm honest and transparent, even as a believer, we've all done things that I'm, that I was ashamed of. But man, it's so good when you come before the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up. I've sinned. I'm sorry. I've allowed these things in my life. Come on, I have it at the end of my message. I'm going to say it now. First John 1 9 is so powerful. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, he was talking to the church there. Amen. Come on, some of you are weighed down with shame today. Maybe in here or at home, if you're listening at home, maybe you've allowed impurity, unholiness in your life. And I want to encourage you reestablish biblical standards. Renew your covenant with the Lord. This is one of the best ways that you can be prepared for battle and for the victory ahead. The Lord will begin to heal you and he'll begin to take away and lift the shame off of your life. Amen? Number two, we need to prepare for the Lord to provide in a new way. I love this. In a new way. Look at Joshua 5, 10 and 12. When the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No man appeared on the first, on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. See, just as the Passover in Egypt marked the exodus from slavery, the celebration of this Passover in Canaan marked the attainment of the goal God had been leading the Israelites toward. This Passover also anticipated God's promised rest for his people in the new land. This is really awesome. The day after Passover, the manna ceased, which ended a 40-year miracle. We read about the miracle of the Jordan River, but for 40 years, if you're not familiar with what manna is, it was basically bread from heaven. Every morning they'd wake up and this flaky substance was on the, on the grass like dew. You know, when you wake up early in the morning, there's dew all over the grass. It was like that, but it was a flaky substance that they would turn into these little cakes that they ate for 40 years. But as soon as they got into Canaan, the manna stopped. Come on, somebody. They were in a new land. And it was time for God to do something new. It was time for God to provide in a new way. God's daily provision of this manna could stop because the produce of the new land was now available. See, there's new places for us to go. There's new levels for us to go to. We'll never get a new way of God's doing stuff if we stay in the old places. We got to keep moving forward. Amen. Like I said last week, you know, unbelief says, hey, let's stay here where it's safe. But faith says, let's move forward where God is working. God is working. He's wanting us to move forward. You know, when God takes us to a new place, a lot of the times he will provide in new ways. You know, and it's awesome. I mean, to look back, and we talked about that last week as well, setting mem up memorials, right, and, and remembering what the Lord did. And that's great. When we look back at the memorials and say, man, look how God did this, that's awesome. But listen, don't put God in a box and say he's always provided this way, so this is how he's going to come through. I'm excited, like, man, for God to do something and provide for me and my family and the church in a way that we've never seen before, right? That's the exciting journey about walking with the Lord is you never know what he's going to do next. Look at Isaiah 43, 19. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It is happening already. Come on, I love that. It's happening already. It's happening right now as we speak. Can You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there. Remember, this message is about preparing for victories. 
As you prepare for victories and moving forward, it might be provisions of, of, of the healing. It may be provisions of deliverance from addiction that you're going through or from, from, uh, from some marital uh, problems that you're in. You know, you need the provision of, of reconciliation in your marriage or a wayward child coming back to the Lord. And the Lord wants to make provisions for these things. Yes, it can't be financial. It can't be a job. I know some of you, I have a family member just recently that, that lost their job. It may be that too. But there's many different ways. You know, there's a story about two battles that King David was victorious in that brings home this point, how the Lord provides in different ways and in new ways. Look at 2 Samuel 5, 17 and 25. It's a little lengthy, but I want to read. I love this story. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephraim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. Again, here's David getting direction like Joshua, right? When before you go into battle, get direction from the Lord, right? Don't, ju don't just go at it yourself. Lord, what should I do here? So David went to Baal Perezim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David explained. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Perezim, which means the Lord who burst through. The Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. But after a while, the Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Rephraim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Again, here we go. You, David's like, okay, what do I do now? They're back. David could have just ran out and said, man, you know what? We busted up these dudes last time. We're going to go after them and do it again. But David didn't do that. He stopped and he said, Lord, what should I do? And look what the Lord says. Do not attack them straight on. The Lord replied and said, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistines. So David did what the Lord commanded. He struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. See, the Lord provided direction and victory for David, but it was different the second time. He provided direction and provision and victory in a totally different way. We need to be expecting and anticipating God to move in different ways. Because you see, what happens is when we get into these, these um, boxes or we put God in these boxes, you know, we, we can become religious and legalistic about how God's going to show up. God's going to show up this way and do this and do it this way. But let's be open that the Lord may want to provide in a whole new and different way. We must be looking and listening for the Lord to provide in ways, listen to me, that he never has before. That he never has before. Y'all, we're in a season in this country that we've never been at before. We don't know where we're heading in the future. We said it last week, right? The priests, he, they told the priests, or he told the people, follow the priests with the ark because you've never traveled this way before. So if we've never traveled this way before, that means I'm looking forward for the Lord to provide and come through and break through like he never has before. Amen? Amen. And the third and final thing is we must acknowledge our availability. Acknowledge your availability. Look at Joshua 5, 13 and 15. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. 
And at this, Joshua fell to his face with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. See, the command of the Lord's army went on to give Joshua instructions for conducting the siege in Jericho, which we'll see in chapter 6 next week. See, many scholars believe that the person who appeared to Joshua was the pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this wasn't the first or only time. There were other encounters like this recorded in the Old Testament. Let me stop and say, I remember years ago I heard this. Joshua confronts the Lord and says, are you friend or foe? Like, whose side are you on? And I like how one, one guy said, he said, I didn't come to pick, take sides, I came to take over. Amen? And that's when the Lord shows up on the scene, it's time for him to take over, right? In essence, that's what he was saying. I didn't come to take sides, I came to take over. But we've seen other, you know, not only did, did, did the Lord appear to Joshua this way, there were other encounters. Again, to Abraham the pilgrim, the Lord came as a traveler to share in a friendly meal. Scholars believe these are all pre-incarnations of the Lord Jesus, and you could read all of these different accounts. To Jacob the schemer, he came as a wrestler to bring him to a place of submission. To Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego met him as their companion in the fiery furnace. And then again, Joshua was met with the commander of the Lord's army. Isn't that amazing that they, the Lord appeared to all of them, but it was all in different forms and different ways. Why is that? It shows us that our Lord always comes to us when we need it in the way that we need it. Which goes back to my last point. He shows up in different ways. He didn't show up as the commander of the Lord's army to Abraham, right? He didn't show up that way in the fiery furnace. He, he showed up in different ways, correct? And so that shows us the Lord shows up when we need it, but how we need it. You know, like God's earlier message to Joshua in chapter 1, this encounter was to encourage Joshua right before he took action against the enemy. Joshua fell to his face to the ground in reverence when he understood who stood before him. But listen, it wasn't only a, a, a reverent awe why he fell down. Joshua's action also demonstrated that he was available for God's service wholeheartedly and without reservation. We must continue to acknowledge with our actions that we're available for God to use us as he sees fit. That's why I said we must acknowledge our availability. Lord, I'm available. Use me. There's actually a great worship song right now called Available. And that's the chorus goes, uh, you know, I hear you call and I am available. Basically, use me as you want, Lord. We got to understand, when you come to know God, you begin to live free. When you find your purpose and you make yourself available, you in a posture to make a difference. Amen? Watchman Nee, a lot of you are familiar with Watchman Nee. He said this, not until we take the place of a servant can he take his place as Lord. Let me say that again. Not until we take our place as a servant can he take his place as Lord. Joshua prostrated himself with his face to the ground, and he said, Lord, you are in control. Joshua was reminded also that he was second in command, right? He had been the leader. Joshua chapter 1, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. You will lead this people. He's the man now, right? I'm the leader. He's leading them. He's getting direction from the Lord. But in that moment, he bowed down and said, okay, I remember I'm number two, actually. This is the Lord of the, of, of, the, the, Lord of, the commander of the Lord's army. So whether you're a father, a mother, a pastor, a business owner, a leader, you must remember that we're all second in command to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's what acknowledging your availability and, and being humble and saying, Lord, I'm available how you want to use me. If we forget this fact, we will start to move toward defeat and failure instead of victory and triumph. If we're going to prepare ourselves for the victory, maybe you've been battling something, you've been struggling something, maybe it's an internal thing, and you've yet to get the victory, I want to encourage you with this. Say, Lord, I'm available. Use me as you want, but also do whatever you want for me to obtain this victory. See, some people come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to deliver me. Save me from what I'm going through. And the Lord says, okay, do this. Well, no, I don't want to do that, Lord. I mean, I want to be delivered. I want to be healed. I want to be set free, but I don't really feel like doing that. You got to acknowledge your availability at whatever you need to do, you're going to do, right? You remember when the, when the, the Lord told the prophet, uh, for I think it was naming the go and to dip in the river seven times. It's like, man, you know, they got better rivers than, than that around here. Why well, I have to go do this? And he, he began to complain of what the Lord told him to do. And sure enough, he did it. And the Lord healed him of leprosy. We got to be available to do whatever the Lord tells us to do, that we can have victory personally, but as we're moving forward, victory over the enemy and whatever the Lord is calling us to do. See, Joshua was an experienced soldier who Moses had trained for leadership, yet that was no guarantee of success. He needed the power of presence and the provision of the Lord, and so do we. Amen, church? In closing, I just want to read a little quick story, not really a story, but just an account of uh, the great missionary James Hudson Taylor. Y'all familiar with, with Hudson Taylor? Matter of fact, Brother Timothy that was here, who is a, a missionary to China, right? And he talked about that his, uh, I think it was his grandfather, his great-grandfather, was a direct descendant of Hudson Taylor's ministry in China. And again, he had moved to the States, and then now he went back to his homeland as a missionary to China. So in a meeting with a small group of missionaries in China, James Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission, reminded them, he reminded these missionaries, that there are three ways that we can work for God, right? We're talking about, you know, Taking the land, taking New Yang, being victorious, finding our purpose, making a difference in this time and all that. So there's three words, three ways Hudson Taylor said we can work this plan. One is to make the best plans we can and carry them out to the best of our ability. Second, having carefully laid out our plans and determined how to carry them through, we may ask God to help us and to prosper us in connection with them. Yet another way of working is to begin with God, ask his plans, and then offer ourselves to carry him to carry out his purposes. I would think that the third was the better, would you? Let's start with God. Lord, what's your plans? And I am available. I acknowledge I'm available. I offer myself to you to carry out your purposes. That's why we ultimately, we were just singing it too. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, the main lesson of Joshua 5 is that we must be spiritually prepared people if we're going to do the Lord's work successfully, if we're going to be victorious, and if we're going to glorify his name. Amen? Just to recap, how do we do that? We must reestablish biblical standards. Repent, turn away from any unholiness, impurity. Reestablish, renew your covenant with God. Repent and, and turn away from anything that's caused that sin or has called impurities and unholiness in your mind, heart, lives, speech, our actions. Number two, prepare for the Lord to provide in a new way. Come on, I'm excited about the new, amen? I know next is now, but I'm excited with the new that's going to happen. I don't have to wait for January 1st to be waiting for the new, amen? I'm excited about the new right now. 
And then the third, acknowledge your availability. Maybe today, as we wrap it up, those of you at home today, maybe you haven't even established a relationship with the Lord. Maybe the first thing you need to acknowledge is your sin and your need for him. Now, I know even us, we're talking about even in the church, we've, we've allowed sin to creep back in the church. But you may be sitting here today and you say, you know, man, I've never done that. I've never come to the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive me of my sin? You know, you, I knew it for years. I mean, yes, I had my mom telling me and people telling me, but I knew it for years that the things I was doing was sin. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit's main job is to come into the world and convict the world of its sin. So without people telling, we know basically what's right from wrong. And if you've been walking around, you maybe been walking around with that heavy shame in your life. Today, I want to encourage you to acknowledge that sin, confess it, repent, which means to turn away and then turn to God. Look, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I want to read another translation. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrongdoing. That's good news today, church. Why don't you do me a favor and bow your heads with me? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And for some of you, the, the, the way that you need to be prepared, the way that you need to prepare for the next that God has for you, for the, 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 the promised land, because again, promised land is not heaven. It's, it's here on earth. There's promises God wants us for us and, 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 and giants he wants us to take and cities to, to, to uh, conquer in the spiritual realm. In this day and age, it's to, to glorify God and to win people to him. But the best way you can prepare today, the first way, is by acknowledging your need for Jesus. Acknowledging your sin and turning away from it. You know, what if today was your last day? We talked about in the last days, the Jews will start returning back to Israel. That's happening, y'all. It's another sign of the times. You know, what if today was your last day here? Are you ready? Are you ready for eternity? I've been talking about sin, and the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. That word means eternal separation and eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If you say, Brandon, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity, but I want to acknowledge my need for Jesus and turn away from my sin today. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. Even if you're at home, I want you to do this just as an acknowledgement. Sir, I see your hand over here in the back. Anybody else? Even if you're at home, if you're tuned in online, just acknowledge it right where you're at. God sees you. I can't see you, but the Lord does. Come on, just acknowledge it. Anybody else say, Brandon, I need to, I need to get right with God. I need to acknowledge my sin and my need for him. Thank you, ma'am. Another hand. Come on. I, I figured there was more in here. Anybody else? Ma'am, I see you right here. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. God's working on hearts right now. I believe that. He's softening our hearts. In the back, even young people. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. The Bible makes it clear. If we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. Come on, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And as a church, as a family, we're going to pray it together with you. For all those that got your hands raised, you at home, just pray something simple like this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I acknowledge that I've sinned. I confess my sin to you. Lord, today, I turn away and I turn to you. I make you my Lord and Savior. Would you give me the grace and give me the strength Give me the power and the faith to live for you all the days of my life. Prepare me, Lord, for the victory that you have for me. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate with these this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, congratulations. Those of you that raised your hand here, and I'm just believing for some that are watching online as well. If you're here in the building, there's a card that says, I made a decision. Fill out that card. It takes you about a minute. Send it to the, uh, go out to the info center. Those of you online, there's a connect card you can fill out. Let us know. Look, if you need a Bible, we have a Bible for you. Whether you're here, if you're at home, we can mail it to you. Whatever you need, we want to help you out. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me, and let's close out. Come on, let's pray over these three things, y'all. How many of y'all want to be prepared for victory that the Lord has for us? If that's you, just lift your hands. Yeah. Say, Lord, prepare me right now. Come on, let's let's close out just as a, as a church. Say, Lord, prepare me. We don't know what's coming down, y'all. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm, I'm even tired of trying to figure out what's going to happen next week or next month. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? But I know that we need to be prepared. Amen? And by focusing on the Lord today, by reestablishing biblical standards, come on, you may need to repent right now. Like for all of us, if you've allowed sin in your life, you've been living in impurity or unholiness, just ask the Lord to forgive you. He says if you do it, he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you. Lord, we repent for allowing sin in our lives, impurities and not walking in holiness, Father. Would you forgive us as a church, Lord? Come on, pray with me, saints. Would you forgive us as a church for living in unholiness, Lord God? I pray, help us to walk in that purity, Lord God. Lord, I know you want to provide for us spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Lord, help us to believe and be looking for a new way that you might provide for us. Lord God, help us. Show us if there's a way, there's something you've already showed us how you want to provide. If we haven't acted on it, I pray that we would have the faith to do it so you can heal us and deliver us. And Lord, we acknowledge today, come on, with your hands lifted high, just acknowledge, Lord, I'm available. Come on, tell them that right now. Say, Lord, I'm available. I'm available for you to use me, Lord. Use me like you want, Lord God. Come on, tell him. I want to make a difference, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Come on, like the prophet Isaiah said. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm available today. Lord, you see your people. Come on, Lord. I'm looking at a, at a great army. Just as the army of Israel crossed over Jordan and is heading to the promised land. I see a great army here in this building and at home. Lord God, with their hands raised, saying that we're available for the new that you have for us. Lord, we believe next is now. You're doing a great work now. Let us focus on you and be prepared for what you have for us in the future. Pray you bless and encourage and pour out your spirit, power, and your anointing upon all of my brothers and sisters today as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, God bless you. We love you. If you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, have a great day.